Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Funny Wine Girl, aka Janine Luby. And as we continue to roll through March, um, we know I did a little bit of a recording a couple of weeks ago that I aired about March being National Women's History Month. But as I said, that has less influence over what I do on the podcast because every week, you know, if you do listen on any kind of regular basis, you know that I like to feature women. Um, That's my thing. That's the format. That's kind of the whole purpose of the uh, podcast to get women on here to quote unquote uncork to share a little bit of their life story, to help inspire, inform, entertain. And, you know, hopefully we have some laughs along the way and you gain some information and inspiration. So this week, um, and I also like to talk about how I know my guests, because as I've said many times, and you're probably sick of me saying it, I just think it's so important that we, uh, when we're out in the community or wherever we are, when we're networking, We meet people, we connect, and we kind of just think, you know, this person, maybe you might not think that you're going to run into them later in life, but you never know how you can help one another and how you're going to interact in the community or in business or personally, professionally. So my guest today, I believe I had met her uh, through the chamber, Women's Luncheon. Um, She was very active with that. And at the time I was too. So it was several years ago, but she's also very well known in Northeastern Pennsylvania for her role uh, as publisher of Happening magazine, which is a beautiful magazine. It's glossy, it's gorgeous, and it keeps us all informed of Northeastern uh, Pennsylvania's happenings and people. So let me introduce my guest for this week, Paula Roshan McCary. Welcome, Paula. Thank you, Janine. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad that you had time to join me. And uh, for those, so for those of those folks who are not in Northeastern Pennsylvania, they may not be as familiar with Happenings Magazine. You don't find this kind of magazine, this quality really out there that much anymore, but it has been around for a long time and just gorgeous, not just, you know, stories, advertising, just a beautiful piece that people can look at. And it is published monthly. Do you want to tell us a little bit just about how long it's been around and when you became involved with it and how that all came about. Certainly. Well, yes, it has been around since 1969 and it was started coincidentally by three men, uh, Tom Reddington, Murray Delitsky, and Jim Egan. And they were men, hmm, I wish I could remember what the history says about how old they were, but they each had careers in different businesses. Um, Tom Reddington was an engineer. Murray Delitsky, I think, had a fur business. He was a furrier in Scranton. And Jim Egan had many businesses um, having to do with sound equipment and answering machines, um, probably the forerunner to some of the technology today. But anyway, these three men somehow got together. They knew each other. And they said, um, you know, it would be great to have a publication that Uh, brought the region together that promoted the events in the area, some of the new outlet stores that were appearing, and something that would get people to travel, and particularly uh, from Scranton to Wilkes-Barre and vice versa, and the Poconos, etc. So that was in 1969, and these three men published it for six months together. And then after uh, about six months, I guess the two other men um, really didn't want to continue in it. So Tom Reddington and his wife, Anne, 
Um, they were a family, an Irish family from, from Clark Summit, and they had six children, and they published it for 25 years out of the basement of their home in Clark Summit. Um, prior to that, they had a, an office in the Hotel Casey in downtown Scranton. And um, so I came on board in about 1994 and Tom's wife, Anne, was ill. He was looking to, um, to pass the magazine on to someone. The children, none of the six children wanted it. And I would imagine that they didn't want it because they saw how hard their parents worked at it. Um, probably how little profitable it was. And um, so what Tom did is he went to one of his bigger advertisers, which happened to be Carriage Barn Antiques and said, hey, would you like it? And so that's, um, he, Sam, the owner was involved with the Visitors Bureau. I was a newly graduating um, Marywood University student with little or no direction in my life, coming out with a communications degree. Uh, thinking I was going to go to law school, I went on an interview and I thought, this is kind of what I've been waiting for my whole life. So that was the beginning of how I got started in 1994, a long time ago. And I have been publishing it since that day. Wow. So what was it that, I mean, so to consider that you were actually thinking about law school and then you have this publication, which again, it features people, it fe features businesses, and it really helps people understand the great value we have here in Northeastern Pennsylvania. What was it that spoke to you that you said, okay, I want to do this? Well, uh, law was not a passion of mine at all. It was just, um, I think like many students today who graduate with a four-year degree, um, particularly in communications and, and, and other programs as well, you know, okay, now I've graduated and I'm not sure what I want to do, why not get a, a graduate degree or a law degree? Um, but I, I think, you know, I was a letter writer, letter writer when I was a child, as many of us were, that was our, um, that was our pre, the forerunner to social media. Um, I, I had a lot of, uh, my mom was Canadian, so I had a lot of cousins and family out of the area. We traveled a lot. Um, and so I, I had friends from out of the area and letter writing was really a, a big part of what I did in my childhood. Um, you know, picking out stationery and graphics and colored pens and um, you may not see the connection, but I really did like to communicate with people to um, send something via the US mail that would excite the, um, the recipient, something that would be memorable and interesting. Um, and then I think after that, you know, I did like writing papers in school and college and doing projects. I loved projects, publishing, publishing newsletters. I like to create, um, present ideas in a way that would evoke a response from the recipient. And so I think that's, um, that's what kind of turned me on to publishing. And also um, my late father was a printer. And so I think at the time, the company that he worked for Art Print Company, um, they had published it. And so I was very familiar with it. 
and I used to look at it. I used to um, read it. It was very different then, but so I was very familiar with it. And I think I instantly saw potential of what I could do with it. Yeah. Well, and that makes perfect sense. And it certainly is something that people look forward to. You talk about something that excites the reader. I mean, I know I've been looking at happenings um, probably since my 20s. Uh, I, I just think it's just a quality piece and the, the gloss and looking through and the beautiful photos and, and reading the stories and you get to know, you know, people from the area, businesses from the area. So it has such great value. How has it changed for you? I know that you do have, uh, you do still publish the actual magazine, but you also have it online as well. How has that changed for you with the digital age? I mean, I personally do love having something in my hands to feel and touch and read, but um, we've had some changes. Obviously, a lot of newspapers have gone out of business throughout the country, but how has it changed for you that you're still able to publish this beautiful magazine and stay in business? Well, the the digital version has certainly helped, um, helped build the brand. I mean, the shareability of of the article, we, we publish in two different ways. It's a flip through version. So you're, you know, just like you're flipping through the print version, um, you can flip through the entire version of the magazine um, that can be sent by email, messenger, posted on social media. So the, the readership has certainly enhanced. Um, I think that the 25 years prior of establishing the brand was important. I mean, if we just started a digital brand right now, um, I don't know that the the popularity of it would be there. So I think the combination of the previous history of it and being in the digital age and the social age that we are right now really did create the perfect storm for sharing the content, um, you know, you, I think media always has a love-hate relationship with agencies, and there's a lot of agencies that will say we cut print as if print is the only vehicle of what we do, but really it's the content. It's the content that people had um, come to anticipate every month, and so whether it's delivered digitally or by print, um, it really isn't about, you know, the, 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 um, the answer that we've cut print really is, is generally by someone who doesn't understand the passion for the content. Yeah. And that makes sense. It really, it doesn't, it's really about the story, about the people, about, you know, and even the beautiful photos, you could still appreciate them digitally. Um, I know one story that resonates with me recently because of some work I'm doing with King's College about reducing stigma around opioid use is the story you had done about a gentleman and he talked about his recovery um, uh, from his his addiction throughout his life. Uh, So, I mean, you're doing some amazing stories. And of course, in February, Heart Month, featuring, you know, those beautiful photos of women in red and their stories about the importance of heart health. So these are impactful stories and important information that you're getting out there. Is there anything that you're, I mean, this is all, you've got a lot of content through the years. Anything that comes to mind almost instantly that you're super proud of or that you love certain things that have touched you that you were so pleased and proud to publish? Well, I will say that, um, 
we have been able to, you know, you talked about the the change of the digital age and the digital age, one negative for us is that when the magazine began in 69, the purpose really was to publish the events. And now, you know, you can find out about events in any different, um, any form. You can just whatever, you know, Google any, any events in any area. So the purpose of happenings has changed and we have been able to get into deeper topics and subjects um, beyond just, you know, where the local fairs and festivals. And one of the, the topics that you just mentioned, the recovery, um, you know, as a business person, I, I have to see, well, what, what are the topics that are affecting the region that also can be supported by advertising? And so I, I did see that September was a recovery month. And I spoke to someone who um, I had known from high school and kind of asked if he wanted to be interviewed. And he said, no, but let me, um, let me think of someone. And he got back to me a few weeks later and said, um, you know, I have someone who's gonna be perfect for this. He um, has been incarcerated for 25 years and he has a great story. And um, as a writer, as an interviewer, I, I thought to myself, I've never spoken to anybody who's been incarcerated for 25 years, you know, and I do a lot of work out of my house. I was like, do I, do I let them know where I live? You know, um, I, I've been a bit sheltered for some of my life. And I thought, you know, how do I talk to someone like this? Obviously they've come from um, just a very different part of, of my life. And as it turns out, um, he's kind of a friend now and, um, you know, comes to the house to pick up magazines. And we, we really all, we're all, we're all human. We're all the same. And he had an incredible journey that as a spiritual person, I think um, he had to be on, um, you know, as a nine-year-old, he kind of committed one of his first crimes and did not have the privilege of, of um, knowing a different kind of life. But the journey that he was on led him to be such an authentic person that can help others. There's not many people that can say, listen, I've been there. I've been there at the bottom. And um, I can tell you that it's not worth it, that there's, there's a way out. I think that his story was incredibly powerful. Um, it was meant to be. And you know, years ago, we may have thought, well, that's not a happy happenings kind of story. It's not, you know, um, whatever, but it's life as I've seen in, in my career of working with happenings, it's, it's so much more about um, getting to the topics that need to be talked about. So yeah. I guess I would say in a very long answer to your question, that is indeed one that I was very, um, proud of, I guess, and, and genuinely felt in my heart that it was meant to be. It's funny, um, I, I often never tell people when something is going to be a cover story, because I never know at the end if it is. And I, I definitely feel, you know, whether it's gut or intuition, I thought, nope, this man's story needs to be the cover story. Yeah. So thank you for asking that question. 
Yeah, that tell, I'm sorry. I probably could tell a story like that about a lot of different ones. So, oh, I'm sure. I mean, through the years, you've done many wonderful stories, but I would say that, and and I know I'm in a place now or a space now because of my work with King's College and this this uh, campaign we're doing to inform, educate, and try to help remove the stigma around, you know, what people think about, you know, people who've been addicted. It instantly, when I saw it, it drew me in. And I, I have to say, I, I applaud you guys for publishing and I applaud you for doing that story. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it is what needs to be talked about. And we're talking about that in our campaign that like, you know, uh, other people are talking, the people selling drugs and different people are talking. We need to be talking to people who've been affected and sharing their stories so that people understand uh, how it happens and understand where there's help that they can go. Uh, so that, that was an incredibly powerful story. So kudos to you uh, for publishing it. Honestly, I know I appreciated seeing that. Uh, you. Now you mentioned, of course, the happy there's, of course, there's still a ton of happiness um, and, and more lighthearted, I should say things mm -hmm. that, that you publish mm -hmm. as well. Um, uh, so when you think of those, is there any, any favorite of yours, as far as something really light that you just thought was just joyful that comes to mind? Uh, yes. In the same year, um, I think it was the one prior, we did something on the lost sandwich generation. And we did kind of a spin on that because um, I, I like to think about nutrition a lot. And um, I thought, boy, there are so many sandwiches in our past that, you know, I think for health reasons, we just think, oh, we'll just order a salad when we go out or, you know, we're proud to say that we have a salad all the time. Um, I also am a person, I saw a little post this morning on Facebook um, about motherhood and it said, um, you know, I would die for you, but I, I really don't want to make your dinner. And I, I had all of these thoughts together and I thought, boy, there's so many sandwiches of my childhood uh, that just, I think for our moms made life easier. I mean, lunch sandwiches in your lunchbox, um, you know, a grilled cheese dinner. Um, and, and we're just taught to like cut the carbs, cut the carbs all the time. And we have lost this sandwich generation. And so that was one of my favorites as well because people wrote in about their favorite sandwich stories and I still have to publish some of them. I think everybody has a sandwich story and I think that um, we really not need to um, break our bias about sandwiches. I don't think that they're all that bad for us. <laughs> Well, I could tell you, Paula, I'm doing my part. I'm a carboholic, sadly, so I eat all the sandwiches. Sandwiches <laughs> are wonderful. I mean, there's just, it's just endless. When you start thinking about them, there's just no end. You could talk for hours about them. <laughs> and that is funny because I, it's funny. I had this conversation not that long ago with some friends who were gathered over drinks talking about how, as you mentioned, the sandwiches that our mothers made for us and put in our lunchbox. And I was saying that when I was a kid, I, I didn't like the fact that my mother put butter on the bread. And I was like, oh, I didn't like it. And I don't even recall if I ever told her, but uh, we, it was funny. We were talking about that because you remember as a kid, it was kind of exciting lunchtime. You know, it was that break in the day and look forward to what was in your lunchbox, you know, which is again, very different from how things are today. So that's a really fun and lighthearted art 
article. And I love, as you said, people reacted to it. Obviously it, it touched something in a lot of people, mm-hmm. a certain generation, uh, you know, made them think about, you know, their childhood and being nostalgic and everything. So I think that's great when what you write can touch people and, and bring back memories for them. Mm-hmm. So the- I'm sorry, go ahead. I just said that is the fun part. Yeah. So let me ask you, um, so you've been doing this for a long time. Obviously you enjoy it. How, um, what do you think about, I know that you have a daughter. How did you ever think about how, uh, as a role model, cause I'm thinking of March as national women's history month. Of course, as I said, I like to promote women all the time. How do you feel, um, and I'm not saying that your daughter wants to be to take over or anything, but does she, what does she think of it? And has, how is she being influenced by you as a role model? Because you have a role that's pretty important. I mean, publishing this magazine that people have known and respected and enjoyed for so long. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. She sees the, the stress um, behind the scenes and I, I think she has no desire to take it over. But every, anytime I say, or my husband says, you know, this is affecting your health, you need to stop this. She always says, no, mommy, no. Um, I think that I think that she um, has heard and recognized the value that it does have in the community. And I have, um, I, I've tried to, um, kind of integrate her life in it. I mean, I think when I became a mother, people probably realized and learned because, um, you know, I, I write sometimes things that that I come in contact with. And um, a few years ago, when my daughter was in middle school, I, um, I started really talking about relationships and being very interested in relationships and how, um, how honestly, how people first start networking on the playground and um, biases that develop that start right on the playground. And um, I met a woman from Marywood, um, Sister Gail, who uh, one of my best friends had recommended that I talk to. And she had studied relationships, particularly middle school students for years. And so I think that my daughter's life, um, having an only child and watching her develop relationships and friendships, um, uh, women, thinking about women role models, um, I think the magazine has has helped her. Um, I think that our readers also benefit by me um, thinking about some of the issues of relationships that honestly, <laughs> if we could figure out relationships, right, there'd be world peace. There would be no Ukraine problem. There would be no playground problem. There would be no bullying. There would be no bias. And it's just, it's just a huge it's a huge part of our life. And I think in studying some of that, I kind of became what I would call a little bit of a philosopher. And um, my daughter came home from school the other day. She's a freshman at prep. And one of the women that I had interviewed was speaking to them at an assembly. And she came home very interested in the topics. And 
Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple of the things that you already brought up here about Women's History Month and everything, but I just think that um, networking and exposing ourselves to as many people as we can and exposing our children to as many people as we can builds early um, ability in them to <laughs> really to start their networking and to, to, to learn from each other, to learn from each other. Um, I would have to say I was a bit of a sheltered child. You know, my, my parents were pretty strict, not mean strict, just what they thought was kind strict. And like I said, I, I, I never spoke to anybody who was in prison before had a drug addiction at the time. Um, but I think that the magazine has helped me, has helped her um, address some topics that really all come back to relationships, networking, talking to people, not being afraid to, you know, to have your close circle of friends, but to, to welcome another one in. Like, I just, I'm so into that right now. There's always a seat at the table for another person. There just always is. And I, I, I love topics about that with women, um, but with, with all of us, honestly. Yeah. I love what you said about networking beginning on the playground. I never really thought of it that way. That's really, that could be, I mean, honestly, talk about a topic. That's very interesting to think about how that does begin on the playground. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly what you said about exposing your kids and ourselves to things that we're not used to. Um, that's how we learn. And, uh, mm -hmm. I think sometimes people are afraid of, uh, discomfort, you know, where I, mm -hmm. you know, that's when we grow, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. when I used to do improv or even now doing standup, you get uncomfortable, you get nervous or meeting new people, but that's usually when you find some great benefits and value, when you get through that little bit of nervousness and uncomfortable and uncertainty, and then you really have some great experience. I think that's wonderful to teach your daughter that and to teach other, even adults, it's never too late to, to change your mindset about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think if parents, um, you know, just having gone through it, if I would have any advice to parents, it's teach your children that when they get to the playground and they get to preschool, it really, it kind of is networking. It's, you know, can I, can I be the person who's remembered for being kind? Um, can I be the person who's remembered for reaching out and inviting someone else in the circle? Because we all know we remember the person who, who is that person. And I don't know that I always was brave enough to do it, but I I'm teaching my daughter to, um, to be the person who's brave enough to do that. And that's, that's a wonderful asset, great, valuable lesson. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, let me ask you about something that you mentioned. I know this has nothing to do with really the happenings, but I just find it interesting. You mentioned that, is it your mom who is from Canada? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly enough, I know I do some standardized patient work and I knew Melissa, who I believe married into your family. She did. Uh, she, she did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She used to talk about her, her visits to a boyfriend in Canada. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. how the heck did that come about? So <laughs> is, do you, you still have relatives in Canada? Oh yes, indeed. Indeed. Many, many, many cousins. My mom was one of 11 children. And, um, so I have many, many first cousins in Canada mm -hmm. and therefore many, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. 
and many friends as well. Do you travel there a lot? I just find it, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, obviously we, a lot of us do have like ancestors, but to have like actual relatives in a different country, but that it's still so close that you could see them on a somewhat regular basis. Do you have travel back and forth and do they come here to America to visit with your family? Yes, they do. Um, and we are having a um, reunion on my mother's side of the family this coming July. It's about once every 10 years. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. You know, obviously travel has been curtailed so much in the past several years. Um, but my daughter has been there, I think two or three times we have to make sure her passport is renewed. Um, but it it was, it was um, nice to be, now we were really all in Eastern Canada. Um, so more um, Ontario and Quebec, but, um, with my husband, I've been to um, Vancouver and really fallen in love with that as well. But uh, my family is more Ontario and Quebec. I just think it's so, for me, I'm fascinated by because I'm meeting Melissa and having worked with her and having her like move there. I'm just like, gosh, how do you do that as an American? You know, and I remember her talking about some of the things she had to do, like forms she had to fill out to work there. And I'm like, it just, it fascinates me to, to be able to do that, to go move to another country and, you know, assimilate to that country and, and work there and everything. So I was always, I was always interested that she did that and, and impressed that she was able to, you know, leave, leave the country, leave her family and, mm -hmm. and go start this new life. I think it's, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I so. think she can, uh, she can do a podcast on, on um, how you do it because she, she certainly learned a lot and she wants to help other people. Yeah. I, you know, now you've given me an idea. Cause I, I know I am really intrigued about that. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, well, that's great. Um, so before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share, whether it's about your life, uh, in, in publishing with happenings or about the region, anything that you're especially proud of, excited about, hopeful for any, any closing words, uh, from you? Oh, well, I, um, I really thank you for inviting me to do this. It's funny, I haven't been asked to speak or participate in something like this for a while, and that's fine. Um, I'm now, I think, one of the older people in the business in the region. Um, having done this for so long, um, I remember, you know, being the younger one, and everybody used to say, wait, you're the publisher? Like, how old are you? So thank you for this opportunity. I feel like I'm, I'm an elder at this point. Um, but uh, no, it's just, it's, it's a privilege to publish this. It's a responsibility um, that I take seriously. Um, you know, I, I want it to be a positive part in people's lives. Um, and I, I, I want to, you know, encourage the, the region to make, uh, the people of the region to make it the best that we can. You know, I love when sometimes cities, I remember my late brother-in-law used to say, you know, when a, when a city has a campaign like uh, Montreal, I think maybe they had the cleanest subway for a while. And I said, you know, it'd be neat if we had, um, make this the friendliest region that we can. And everybody has to buy into that. Um, I, I, I love investing my time and energy into the region. Um, it is my home and um, it's my daughter's home and I want it to be something that she's proud of. So I've enjoyed this opportunity. 
Well, thank you so much. And I can't say enough uh, about that as well. I, I, I am, have always been, I'm born and raised in Scranton and I've always been a fan, always been an advocate. While we do have obviously things to improve, um, we have wonderful people in the region, not just here in Scranton, but throughout Northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, we have wonderful artists, business people, entrepreneurs, so much innovation happening that um, hopefully people will, sometimes our eyes are closed to these things. Hopefully they'll open their eyes and, uh, you know, take your words of advice, even to, to what you say to your daughter, step outside your comfort zone, connect with people that maybe you don't normally learn something that maybe you didn't know about the region and, and help support it. Uh, you know, and, and I am all for the friendliness. We could certainly use that, especially these days. Let's, let's find more of what brings us together than divides us. I think that's important. Absolutely. I, I do want to thank you again so much for me. I, I know that publishing is busy. I'm sure the stress your daughter sees, I can understand with deadlines, how, how real that is. So um, again, I do appreciate you making the time to, to be with me today and uh, for our listeners to learn from you. And uh, I will include in the show notes, I will include, um, if I can, a link uh, to happening so that people who aren't from the region who may not be familiar can check it out because um, I think that you should all see it, take a look at it. Uh, it's beautiful, a magazine great stories, learn about people and businesses uh, here in Northeastern Pennsylvania that we're proud of. So, so thank you again for your time. And uh, as I like to say to my listeners every week, I do really value uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please remember to subscribe to it, share it with someone who might gain some value from it. And um, as I always say, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass. 